0: The following audio may contain coarse language and other material that may not be suitable for a younger audience. Viewer discretion is advised. Also, we may spoil anything and everything, so you have been warned. I'm Trevor Flynn. And I'm Ben Howard. And welcome to a spare but uh, deeply thought out and narratively Um, confusing uh, episode of Movie Gang Podcast. (laughs) Uh, You know when it's me and Trevor, we're going to be talking about something odd and weird and out there and and different. And uh, yeah, we have a lot uh, to say about this one. I think this is I am thinking of ending things, a Netflix original. All the big movies now are just Netflix originals or some (laughs) other streaming service. Everything else has been pushed away, um, and it is from one uh, Charlie Kaufman, who is most famous for his screenplays like uh, uh, "Oh God," I'm forgetting my most favorite movie of all time, "Internal shoud of the Spotless Mind," being John Malkovich adaptation. Malkovich.
1: Uh, oh, I forget <laughs> "Spotless Mind" is in. Was that just a, a yes. stray Malkovich from your uh, significant other
0: in the background? Yes. <laughs> no, that was. I think it was. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he's playing Overwatch. So I need to tell him to be more quiet. He gets very vocal with Overwatch.
1: Oh no worries. Right. I thought he was just like doing <laughs> Malkovich. <Doing> and Malkovich. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Just. Um. All right. So, yes, this is from the writer of *Being John Malkovich, uh, adaptation of Eternal Sunshine, but who's been uh, a uh, mostly a writer before then, but been a director in the last uh, decade with Sinetti, New York, Anomalisa, and now this one. Um, and it's gotten pretty good reviews so far. It is written and directed by Charlie Kaufman, it stars Jesse Buckley, Je- uh, Jesse Plemons, Tony Collette, and David Thewlis. That's it, really. Well, there's a couple other minor characters, but that's pretty much all we are dealing with. It's uh, based on a book his first adaptation in a while I'm Thinking of Ending Things this is the book by Ian Reed and uh, cinematography by Lucas Zal. and uh, like I said was created and distributed by Netflix so I think to start with I'm just curious Trevor what is your Charlie Kaufman opinions history things like that because this is very much his brain even though if it is based on a book um, I'll just say quickly that I'm a big Charlie Kaufman fan Eternal Sunshine is one of my favorite films of all time. I've seen all of his films except for Human Nature, the the one that no one talks about. Because apparently, it's pretty bad. Um, but uh, I also will say that I've kind of missed when he worked with other collaborators. And I wonder if uh, part of my feelings about this movie is, is something to do with that. Uh, but yeah, what's your kind of history and thoughts on him? Uh, thanks for asking because uh, an adapta- Adaptation is probably one of my
1: favorite movies of all time. Um, pretty great. Step definitely up there. I forget he did Eternal Sh- uh, Eternal Sunshine. I'm bad at as much as I like to pay attention to writers, I'm bad at remembering everything that they've done. Um, so yeah, I'll, a lot. Uh, I I like that movie a lot too. Uh, a lot of his movies, like I've heard of and know that I'm interested in, but I have trouble setting aside the two hours to sit down and see them. As you know, with this one, I think you watched it back like around the week it came out, and it took me a little bit longer to get around to it because it's some one of those things where like he's very good as uh, I think I just listened NPR Stephen Weldon or somebody said so, like the like psychosis of the american male is very much his uh his his lane sometimes sure, sure. <laughs> as he put it and uh, definitely like that but um it's uh, it's all it's always uh yeah sometimes it can be a hard watch and i usually end up watching them alone and i'm bad at like watching movies by myself too and setting aside time for that so that's that's kind of my take with his oeuvre yeah. i guess i think i like this one Uh, I don't know where to put it with the rest of
0: his films. I have no idea (laughs) if it's like uh, more
1: ambitious, less, better, worse. I I really don't know.
0: So I guess we want to say that like we talked beforehand, that we're not going to try to make this like an explainer podcast. We're not going to try to say all the things. There's plenty out there. There's plenty of YouTube videos, plenty of podcasts that are deconstructing all the little hints and Easter eggs and things like that. I'm sure we'll go into some of it. But uh, overall, I'll just say that uh, I also... Like this film quite a bit, though I think it has lessened for me in the last two weeks since I've seen it, and I probably should have rewatched like a little bit of it beforehand. But it's also like hard to just jump in and not watch all the movie, and it's a longer movie; it's over two hours, so it's not like you know something you can just sit down and well, and like and watch, you're saying, it's that a that it's a puzzle, which is one of those things where I like Kaufman,
1: so I don't mind as much his like detours into his own kind of self indulgent like uh, arty. Um, kind of I'm, I'm making it sound really pejorative but I like it um, but you know what I mean uh, yeah. kind kind of style and uh, where is I going with this um, it, I want to rewatch it because I feel like I would appreciate the puzzle more maybe the second time around but I also don't want to rewatch it maybe ever <laughs> so um, I feel like I am ready <laughs> yeah, to say same. after my first watch of this that I didn't really get it a little bit and maybe I'm just not good at Getting puzzle movies the first way through, and that I, I maybe that's me, maybe I'm not smart enough, but part of me is also like, I looked up the book summary, you know, as soon as I saw that it was based on a book and was like, Oh, well, that makes more sense <laughs> if you framed it that way. I I think I would get it a little better, but uh, sure, all right. it's it's a Kaufman movie, it's it's adaptation, it's different, you know, I get it, but
0: it, it's definitely his most dense and his most. Sh- are real and at least obvious i thought sinetki could not be beaten in that way but sinetki mm-hmm. at least has a a very somewhat simple this hook that he goes into insane directions with which is just that a, a guy is making a theater about his life and he gets like more into the theater about his life than his real life like that's basically that's like
1: the divisive one right I feel like people are
0: really oh on yeah, that, that one on that is one. like people will just adore and think it's his absolute masterpiece and some people just think it's like the most pretentious piece of crap that's ever right. made <laughs> Uh I, I like it I'm actually weirdly in the middle on it but I think it's a good example of me of man I think if he had made that movie with, with Michelle Gondry or Spike Jones who made his previous movies? I think it would mm-hmm. have been just perfect. And and sometimes I think he, I think he likes that he is you know his his. He, you see this with a lot of really talented writers who get their name up. You know, Aaron Sorkin is now director and writer. Right. His next film, which is also a Netflix film, um, is just him as a director, just him as a writer, as was his previous film. Uh, Charlie Kaufman has not worked with another director in over a decade. Um, And so, oh, no, he did recently, but he maybe did more punch up and that movie may never come out. Uh, It's like for a
1: guy that writes about being stuck in his own head. It's inevitably like tempting fate to also let him direct his own material, I
0: guess. For sure. (laughs) For sure. and That's what what, what concerns me sometimes about him. Um, So we'll just say that this is uh, kind of split up into four parts. This film. Um, two of them are long road trips that, uh, kind of have this endless void feeling to them. They're through a snowstorm, long conversational pieces. Uh, the main characters are a woman. She's originally, um, revealed as I believe Lucia is her first uh, name. But it's Lucy, Louise, maybe Lucia in there. Yvonne Ames. <laughs> it's
1: like five yes. different names and she keeps calling herself. It, it, I don't know what that's and
0: about. and there's a purpose to that as well but at least in the first part she has one consistent pretty much story and one consistent name and mm-hmm. it just seems more like a couple that are arguing and really falling apart and not doing well not even arguing, but having that kind of like awkward silence And you hear this voiceover of her saying i'm thinking of ending things which seems to imply she's thinking of breaking up with them but they're going to see his parents second half takes place in the house with the parents and things seem more just like weird Creepy, weird, strange parents, but then it all seems to have like time jumps and, 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 and temporality shakeups yeah, and things. Yeah, they keep, they end up caring for them in their
1: old age. They go from being like in their fifties to their like eighties or something.
0: Yeah. And and she there's like kind of horrory tropes that never kind of pay off uh, kind of purposefully and yeah there's all these kind of hints. I did like that a and throughout lot. the whole film you're also seeing these shots of this old elderly janitor which we'll get to mm-hmm. and then the third part is uh, another long car ride but this time it's a little weirder Lucy is changing her personality a lot they have this really creepy detour at one point and then the fourth part takes place in a uh, uh, high school which is like all a Mix of like kind of a slasher movie at first and then into a dance and then to a crazy, weird, slightly fantastic uh, well, not slightly very fantastic <laughs> finale, yeah. Um, so I guess to start, like, is there a particular parts that it hits you better in that kind of quadrant because each one felt a little different to me, and I think part of it for me is that they don't quite all move together, it really does feel like four individual pieces and and especially the car ride was a little tedious the second time around for me, that's exactly where yeah if
1: i it's easier for me to say i had a least favorite part and it was the second car scene when we get yeah it's a lot weirder we get the the young woman uh, i guess or whatever she's
0: credited as yeah she's her official imdb to, credit is young woman
1: yeah, going so. into just like fully becoming the voice of this critic talking about a woman under the influence, which is a film from the. It's it's an old a film too old for me to have seen. Um, that I I, I've seen. seen
0: it. It's it's a lot of people shouting at each other. It's it's good for its time, but uh, not my personal genre. Not <laughs> but, your cup of uh, tea. Yeah, yes, we but, just but have she, that. She literally like, quotes – this is one of those like things where like part of this movie that's a problem is like. It, it it I just watched an episode of Community that made me laugh because it was right before we watched this. Oh, I'm perfect. on season
1: five right now.
0: Oh, awesome. It's, it's a wonderfully re-bingeable show. Um, thank you, Netflix, for buying it. I appreciate it. Um, yeah. it, it, it was uh, an episode where it's like very much making fun of the Charlie Kaufman-ish, very meta storytelling where it's Abed making a whole story about Abed being Jesus but also himself and... And there's a great line Shirley says where she's like, look, Charlie Kaufman, some of us have work in the morning (laughs) (laughs) because it's a very funny way of like viewing like and she also says something like like he'll be a filmmaker. She's like, it sounds like it's great for filmmakers. (laughs) uh, This movie, sometimes I'm like, I, I worry that as like a big fan of movies and like knowing that like the speech at the end is is the speech from a beautiful mind is like. I think Can't. a lot of people like that was a popular <laughs> movie, but like it was 20 years ago. And I don't think a lot of people are going to r- immediately recognize it because I hate that ending a lot. And so it, it has stuck in my brain. <laughs> so like as soon as he does it, I'm like, oh, God, that ending I hate. Um, yeah. And, and she like, like literally I, it, quotes a Pauline kale review. And I know Pauline Kale's writing style. Mm-hmm. So I know what she's doing. But if you just were watching it, you might be like.
1: The fuck is going oh, on? she fuck. becomes Pauline and Kale. She just is quote. She becomes. She's like starts gesturing with her cigarette. Yes. On this voice. <laughs> and yeah, that second car ride is yeah where it goes off the rails in terms of that and just all the illusions. Like, which is where it gets to be a problem that I'm watching it at home with my laptop because I could be like, Oh yeah. Uh, a book called ice about the apocalypse or supposedly yeah, David Foster Wallace. said uh, this, I could just look these things up because I, and that right. takes me out of the movie because I, I can look them up and I feel like the movie wants me to look them up. It's almost like it's, it's, it's almost the Spike mm, Lee approach yeah. to like illusions, but not with the integrity of informing the audience of like a particular history, but just like getting the, us keyed into like the wrapped up brain of this guy that's very effectively played by the guy who
0: played Todd from Breaking Bad. But yeah, Jesse Plemons, who's who's becoming quite a character actor, I yeah. I, I really like seeing him now. I mean I always liked him, but uh, he's he's really kind of come into his own as a very kind of interesting he's a very interesting face and he uh, is yeah, very
1: good. I at, know like, I was thinking that watching it too. I was like this guy just has one of those faces that like it's not like that face is doing all the acting work. I don't mean to imply that, but it's just like you couldn't do that without that face. Like that's just it's part of why you get those roles. It's just your face is made to act a certain way, I guess, you know. Right. But, um, <laughs> God, the beautiful mind thing for me, too, because I really used to like that movie and I rewatched it recently and I was like, you know, I I think mostly it holds up. I don't know. It's kind of saccharine and maybe not the best, but from the feminist angle at all oh god he's just yeah he's her professor yeah definitely isn't great for a feminist <laughs> ankle probably anymore but i don't know i thought it was okay and then i watched this movie and i'm like oh god i well, yeah it's it's gone I, I won't ever but you hate the ending of beautiful mind too so like i would imagine that moment found you a little bit better than it did me but i still was like yeah now it's like pointing out i guess what that's doing is po- not to get too far into it but i guess pointing out the idea that, like, he can't imagine being accomplished without the support of somebody else, like, in, in this very, like, yes, way of yes, uh, being absolute or something.
0: I'll just say that, that my general interpretation is kind of what the seems like most people's interpretation is of this film, which is that it's basically about a, a guy who was, who was very artistically minded. He, he knows how to appreciate art, but he never kind of created anything himself, and he is probably dying of a suicide and imagining this person that he had kind of conjured up in his mind based on, like, a real girl he saw. But at one point was implied that maybe in, like, real life he hit on her and she was gay. And he, like, she was Oh, I missed her. that she was also gay. I mean, gay, she says girlfriend but, in, like, a yeah, pointed way. And, okay, and girlfriend's yeah. tough because it, some people use it to mean romantic. Some people use mm-hmm. it to mean friendship. So, who knows? But I I kind of took it that maybe the implication was she was gay. But either way, it, it, was, it was certainly unwelcome. Like, that part is not uh, very vindictory. clear. And that <laughs> felt the most honest of her reaction. So that's why I was wondering if it was like. that's what's interesting. It's like he it's very hard to wrap your head around. But it's like she's basically a fantasy girl. But the fantasy girl is rejecting him in a very yeah. strange way. It's like there was like.
1: One of my most memorable episodes of the Twilight Zone where the author's characters come to life and like rebel against him and shit. I like I very much dig that as a concept. Unfortunately,
0: A, I didn't quite get it, which might be my fault. No, it's not very (laughs) obvious. The the film does no. uh, and, and, And it's it's the tough thing of like you don't want it to be like. You know, hold my hand, but a little bit if it's like if that's the intention of the film. You kind of have to let us know a little bit more. <laughs> like, I don't think it would have
1: been a, a loss if there was like a little more. Because it, it just goes so crazy. It, 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 the last two parts between that car ride and the, and the high school that it's hard to. Yeah. Like, see that. And, and B, I think, you know, I, I thought this would kind of be unique as a Charlie Kaufman movie about relationships. And kind of the jumping off point of I'm thinking of ending things. This idea of a person who, which I relate to, of like a person who thinks about relationships a lot and and it stays in their own head. And are you overthinking the relationship and that kind of thing? I mean, I don't think the movie is about that because they're clearly just very uncomfortable around each other, but they're also not both real. So it, it it's kind of a disappointment in a way that she, I, I I think part of the reason I have trouble getting it maybe to give myself a little credit is that it's hard because she is more a compelling character than, he is because it's kind of framed from her point of view. So it's hard to switch. I, I, I know that's kind of the point, but it's, it's hard to, to make that switch in your brain. At least it was for me. So.
0: No, I, I get that a lot. And, uh, Jesse Buckley is a great actress. She was in a movie called wild Rose, um, where she played a country singer, uh, came like two or three, a year or two ago. And, uh, she was really excellent and I'm glad she's getting this bigger role and, Hopefully so she has a good career ahead of her and yeah she's just such a good actress and she's she's doing a lot with all these characters and and ideas and it is framed for her perspective like jesse uh plemons will leave the screen for large periods of time you know and uh yeah it is the case of it it feels like it's entirely through her perspective so when it's like okay it's his perspective but she's the protagonist. it's very you know and again it's like this isn't the first film to do that or the first novel. Yeah. It reminds me or of some other like, um, actually
1: did kind of pulled that same thing. Not that I yeah, rate mother I, higher than this, but it, it, made it very much had a moment where you're like, Oh, I was made up, you know, like kind of, yeah, right.
0: <laughs> right. Um, and, and one of my favorite books, the French Lieutenant's woman is, is all about the, the characters interacting with the author, but it's a little more like, like, purposefully drawn out in a way. You know what I mean? And it's tough because I don't want Charlie Kaufman to write the big, like, I was, I'm was i not real, like, scene. Mm-hmm. But I also just need a little more. <laughs> because, like, the Beautiful Mind thing, literally it's a sweeping shot of the Beautiful Mind DVD in his room for, like,
1: oh I a quarter that. of
0: a second at most. And mm-hmm. I just happened to see it. And then I happened to see it later and I was like, ah, you know, but I... See, that's
1: one of those TV things where we see this is his bedroom and look at all these books. These are the books that he read. And I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not going to read the titles. I'm not going to pause the movie right now, even though I can, cause it's on <laughs> Netflix and read the titles of all these books. I'm not going to do it. I'm sorry.
0: I don't know. Just, right. And it's like, and you also just like wonder just like, does Charlie Kaufman hang out with anybody who doesn't like read the New Yorker every week? And like, this movie made me so thankful. Deep- and I, I think, sorry go ahead um no no i was just just gonna go like you know have deep opinions on david foster wallace oh god yeah go to the moma all the time and like you know what i mean like i'm not trying to talk down him i'm just saying like he's a very intellectual man and i just think he sometimes he can be very in his head
1: this movie made me so thankful which is probably part of its goal that i am in a relationship with someone who does not want to debate like social theory and like the subject object or, uh, yeah, the subject object problem of semiotics, I guess, over dinner talking about painting. Like, God, that is so, David Thewlis is so charming with like, well, how can you, you know, he's doing a like creepy insidious thing where he's like criticizing her art or whatever. Um, it's like, I don't see how I can feel something if I don't see someone in the painting Looking at something to tell me how to feel, but he's just I I love his performance. Uh, I I don't know. I just like
0: David Thewlis, but I do. And uh, he does a very interesting thing where he stares at her for like most of his scenes. And it's Mm -hmm. very interesting and very um, my favorite part.
1: One of my favorite parts of this movie is when he's become geriatric uh and he says some he just says i'm so confused and it's at the point where they're about to leave the house i think Tony colette has been three different ages by this point and i'm just like i'm confused too david thewlis it's okay we're both confused
0: (laughs) we'll be confused together i love everything in the in the house i think that was when it was really working at its best and and dealing with the way it was with time and and it made no sense where she was like you know they did this very nice subtle thing where at one point she sees a picture and she goes, "Wait, that's me." And he goes, "No, that's me." And if you look, it, it and again, maybe this is why he wanted on Netflix. Maybe he wanted us to pause the movie, and be able to rewind it and stuff. Because yeah, uh, I was curious if this was meant to be on Netflix from the
1: beginning. I guess it was.
0: Huh? It was always meant to be on Netflix. It was. It was bought by them. They were. They were going to have a theatrical release, like they do with a, a lot of their higher. Yeah. The, so they give their auteurs because the auteurs want to be in the theaters. Um, so that's their. Concession, but I think they were like, "Look, it's COVID. We can't do anything." Um, so, um, it was uh, uh but I think it, it benefits from that because, yeah, if you go back and watch, like, it is two different children. It is, you know, yeah. a, a girl, a, a person that presents female, a person that presents male, and uh, in each shot, and it's they have very similar hair and clothes, and it's a nice little subtle difference, and that kind of stuff. Uh, me and Kel watched a, a pretty good horror movie called The Relic that came out this year. And um, it's does something similar to this film because at first I thought it was like a dementia storyline. Um, oh yeah. And they bring up of, dementia a bunch of times and that is very yeah, much about no, the fear parents, of dying and aging too. Yeah. yeah and the parents get dementia and, and both of them and uh, um In that film, her mom has like the main character's mom is to mention it's represented by the house, like kind of degrading and changing, not Mm -hmm. making sense in certain parts and stuff. And um, this kind of reminded me of that and did a a good job. I I always like films that kind of play with temporality. Uh, It's something that Eternal Sunshine does very well, too, which is that uh, Michelle Gondry will do these great takes where he goes from even though it's just it's so obvious when you watch it as a filmmaker, but it's just clever enough that it works, which is that he just builds a realistic house set that connects to a realistic store set. And, but <laughs> when one character moves from a store into a house in one second, it just feels yeah. strange to us and just kind of a nice way. And the this film does something similar where she'll turn around and it'll be a completely different character. He'll be old now, or it'll be different room or something. Um, and that mm-hmm. section really worked for me. And that's when I, I, that and the finale are the two things that like put this in a tire tier where like if it was just the car ride i think i would have been pretty exhausted <laughs> at a certain point and it's also the case where i'm like maybe we could have cut 20 minutes 15 <laughs>
1: yeah i was curious what you thought about the editing too just i watched uh thomas flight had a quick little 10 minute take where he talked about how everything is just slightly off i mean you have the the cue pickups where they're kind of talking dialogue over each other. And then you have like, she goes to pet the dog, but the dog is not there in the room, but you can kind of believe that the dog came and went and they also cut it to where the end of her line, you would think you cut to the other person to react. But then by the time you cut to the other person to react, they don't, they've already said what they said or or are moving on kind of like, everything's just kind of slightly off. What did you kind of, did you enjoy that? Was that effective for you, I guess?
0: I, oh, it was. It was very much so. Like I said, uh, that... it's it, totally like totally see it being wanna, just, like, frustrating. But Like, as much as I like the ending and I like some of the stuff at the beginning, like, part of me just kind of wishes we had this little short film where Charlie Kaufman just <laughs> mm-hmm. lifted out and, and, and it was just this 25 minutes in the house and even if it didn't have a nice conclusion or anything, I think it would have... Some ways preferred it just because, yeah, that was when it was really working at its peak and, and really interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, things like the dog is always shaking. Like, I like that a lot because it's like, that's a very good way of, of like, I got the sense that that was a dog from a long time ago. Yeah. It takes so it out of time. He, right. He, he, he doesn't remember it. And all he remembers is this one moment where he saw it shaking. And so it's always shaking anytime uh, you ever yeah. see it, which is only like two or three times. Uh, but yeah. like I, 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 and maybe that's not at the point, but like, that's what I kind of took from it was like this strange way that memory is like, and and that's why I love eternal sunshine is because memory is like my favorite thing to talk about way too much like any movie that deals with memory in a very interesting unique way Oh no i mean that's half the reason i, I like anime <laughs> it's always <there's> some so many <laughs> yeah I mean, memories memento, and, yeah. you know memento i love and in total sunshine they have these little things that are just great where she's like i was sitting there and it, she has pants on and she'll be like I was in my panties and her pants are gone and you're like like little things will shift and change because what i love about memory is it's not written law you know it is interpretation as much as it is actual documentation oh um,
1: uh, yeah I've been in an uh, argument with my mother about whether or not I thought something was real at Disney World or not and I remember it one way and she remembers it another way and some at some point my memories became her memories or her memories became my memories it's it's human memory is very unreliable <laughs>
0: <laughs> so one part I want to talk about just because I'm, I'm curious would you talk about it was what do you think of the whole like running story with the pigs this, this whole story about the pigs and oh, the maggots God, the this very gross I, story where they show back up
1: it's it's end. it's like the epitome for me of the kind of gruesome over the top horror element that doesn't pay off or by the time it does, it's in this friendly cartoon where you can barely see (laughs) the maggots. So they're all drawn (laughs) with colored pencil and it's not as disturbing. And he's just an old friend there to walk you to your grave and kind of help you contemplate mortality. That, I don't know if I understood the pe- I mean, it's, you know, this movie, they talk about death. It's very existential. The meaning of life are all slowly de- de- degrading. And the idea that the pigs were just left alone for three days and then just got infested with maggots, I guess it's, it's one of those things that's so over top that I'm just like, God, oh, what a gruesome image. Is that, could that happen? Is that how right. hard farming is? <laughs> it's like the other pack,
0: man, but yeah. I don't know. I don't know. what I, yeah, I think it goes to, <laughs> I, I- I liked it, but again, I think it was, yeah, it is weird that, like, they just kind of, I don't think they should have come back. I think we worked better just the one story and the spot. Like, like having a really dark, discovered yeah. spot, something about like that just made it really gross to me. Um, I, I thought it was an interesting metaphor for the idea of, like, the lonely soul. And that's why I love that they included uh, my favorite song from Oklahoma, the one that is not in the movie. Because it's a strange song, which is uh, in a lonely place from Oklahoma. Oh, where the shit. villain of the film basically is like, I'm a sad, miserable man, and it's very odd and strange and kind of beautiful and touching. Um, oh, and, so uh, he sings that number. He
1: sings at the end. Yeah, I, I was like, is that is he singing it as though he's in Oklahoma? Did he write this himself or that's actually a number from Oklahoma? The one that he sings it like is. right after the beautiful mind
0: thing. Okay, it, shit. I yeah. It is and 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 famously it's the only I think song that did not make the film, even though the film is Well, it's funny super you say that cuz I thought it sounded yeah, like really
1: appropriate to this movie. Not what I would think of Yeah, it seems like it would be out of place in Oklahoma. Not that I'm, I've ever seen Oklahoma, but I, I know I the mood. I think it works.
0: I think it works, but the, the thing is like that character will spoil alert for a 70 year old play no, I die know. in the next act. And I think the movie wants to leave you with a fun little jaunt in your step. Mm. Doesn't want you to walk out and be like, man, Judd lived a sad life and died. It's kind <laughs> of a bummer. Um, But I think the, the play is kind of interesting in that way. Um, and uh, I, I thought that was a very beautiful way of doing it. And I especially love the image of uh, all of his, The people in the in the film and his past in comical high school level of old age makeup. Yes, that was so freaky and cool because it's like it reminds me when I read that's a great image. I'm like that's one of those images where I'm like, why has no one thought of that before? It's like when I read really um, good
1: image. It's like C.S. Lewis in The Last Battle is talking about how everybody looks, you can't tell what age they are. They look old and young at the same time. That, that is what that looks like, kind of, but like the creepy version, not the good we're in heaven version, the the creepy version. (laughs) Or maybe he is in heaven. I don't know, but uh, that's uh, that's that's farther than I want to read into it. Getting into religion,
0: it's probably for the best for you that they never made it to that last book because you. There's no way they would have done that image well. (laughs) There's Mm -hmm. no way that Disney would have like not just made that look cheesy.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't think I want a last battle movie. I don't. I don't. I don't want
0: that. I kind of wanted them to give to the silver chair. That's my that was always my favorite one.
1: Oh yeah,
0: but. But the silver chair is like the dark. Yeah, um, I, silver chair is the one you I know, don't appreciate. I am like a dark movie, teenager.
1: And then you get older, yeah. and then you're like, oh yeah, the silver chairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It's dark horse. I, I, I was sad they never made it more, but it was such a weird franchise. They would just there would be a new one out, and you'd be like, still, yeah, we're still doing it.
1: Well, there's a oh god, and then they like mix pop music back into the last one. feels very out of place. But um, I think there was a. I never actually saw Prince Caspian. Oh no, that was Don Don Treader. Which one was the last one? Don Don Treader's last one. And they yeah, I think the music in Prince Caspian is actually pretty cool. But they had like a pop song at the end of Don Treader, and I was like, this is not the feeling that I would have thought would go here. I think they had like the old BBC movies. I think they got to Silver Chair, didn't they? I thought they did. did. I didn't know they made more than just one. If they did I didn't see them they, I think they have well, I know they at least got to Don Treader In the old BBC ones Because I remember that yeah. shit I'd I remember that it. fucking dragon
0: I watched the first one as a kid And the parents showed it to me And I never never thought to look up them But they made more So we have to check them out at some point This was a nice tangent <laughs> Yeah it was <laughs> It was uh. Uh, and, and from what I understand of the book is more of a horror novel And maybe that is where some of the conflict comes from Is that Basically, by the end, he, he completely the biggest Charlie Kaufman thing is the the dream ballet where he does Oklahoma famously has a dream ballet sequence. It says it's this like seven, eight minute long instrumental dance scene, um, man, which, uh, challenges many a, a, a theater program. Um, that's when you have to bring in your dance. You make the you make the theater kids walk off and you bring in the dance kids. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh In the original book, uh, from what I've heard from people comparing them, it was more of a serial killer kind of thing where it was like the old version of him. It's the same thing where the old version of him kills the young version of him. But this one is done in a a very theatrical dream ballet way. And the the original one, it's like he literally like brutally murders himself (laughs) in a Hmm. sense and very metaphorical. Um, I thought that change is good, but I, I think that's part of where the horror stuff comes in because it feels very much like coffin has no interest (laughs) he he notably has like a very horror movie setup with the creepy basement and why is there claw marks on the basement and yeah then she goes into the to the dryer and she pulls it out but what she pulls out is janitor clothes and like it's it's still a clue to what the point of the movie is but it's like not a head or some mutant or something Mm -hmm. that you would expect it's it kind of avoids that uh but I wonder if that's where some of the clash clashes coming in that you're you're feeling.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Well, and also Tony Colette, I just want to briefly mention, is doing her Tony Colette thing from like all the horror movies she's been in, which uh, I've seen. Uh, uh, what's one? In- Inheritance? No. Hereditary. Um, Hereditary. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, I like that movie. Okay, I don't love uh, Ari Aster necessarily, but uh, very effective. Uh, her performance here. It's like so condensed. All of that energy that she has—it literally started to turn my stomach. Just, just the sheer uh, anxiety, angst, what uh, of it of her performance. I, it was very, very good. I just, you know. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Her... I think the house is great when they're
0: yes there for the most part. Yeah, and and I think the other thing about this movie is, and it's a weird test, but like movies that work like this that don't make a lot of logical sense and supposedly even charlie Kaufman never told the actors what he thought the movie was about which is mm-hmm. very charlie Kaufman of him yeah. um it very more very david lynch of him david lynch loves to do that but david lynch is a good example where david lynch movies don't make a lot of logical sense especially his later films but a lot of them will stick with me and kind of the images or the ideas or something will kind of really bring something out of me. And this film just doesn't linger with me as much. And I think that's why I'm going to rate it lower than when I first saw it. I'm sure Kel will be like, you said you loved it. right?" When I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. But I it can hit see. me emotionally, especially that ending really hit me emotionally, but I just think there are big chunks of this movie that just kind of fade away from me. And that's the case where like, I'm going to watch a lot of scenes from this movie it's and maybe I was something I had with the master where like the master I was like there's five amazing scenes in this movie I don't know about yeah. the rest and slowly I learned to love it um, but uh, I don't know there's something about the film especially the middle section where it's like and now that I know or at least have my own interpretation of what it means it's like I feel like those would be even more
1: tedious. Well, that's the I'm thing too is master so. has like joy <laughs> like you can rewatch
0: it. That's and the other thing appreciate it. <laughs> that's the other thing. Thank you for bringing that up. Adaptation is a funny movie. Yes, Snetkey <laughs> New York is a funny movie. There okay. are funny parts of those movies. Snetkey is less funny, but Adaptation is very funny at a lot of points and has some really genuinely good jokes. And good God help you himself. if you use voiceover in your work. Uh, gets me every time. <laughs> oh, so great! And then it cuts off for the rest of the movie. Great, so good. <laughs> uh, the Deconstructionalist is my favorite. What if you had a literature professor who cut people up to little pieces? He could be the deconstructor. Yeah. <laughs> Why didn't Nicolas Cage get two Oscars for that movie? He, oh he,
1: did, he plays two roles. He should have been nominated twice. I mean, <laughs> that incredible. is that is my favorite. Nick Cage playing a, off himself is just the oh. most brilliant thing. One, got, got to be one of the most brilliant. That's another community thing that i've appreciated is abed trying to understand nicholas cage and I, i'm pretty sure he's watching adaptation at some point because Nicolas cage playing off himself is just the if I, that's not the height of cinema i don't know what is. <laughs>
0: it really is it really is i read a great article today someone was like god bless that nick cage is now like the b movie king like he's in like mandy and mother and dad or what's it yeah, I forget the one where he's like parents that are trying to kill their kids. Mm. And like he's just in all kinds of like goofy McGillicuddy movies right now and just having a good time. He got <laughs> out of <laughs> VOD land. He's into just some weird and, and our tours are starting to use them like weird, crazy people. And it'll show up in the premiere in like a snakeskin suit. And you're like, oh, God bless him. He's <laughs>
1: I don't think I've heard the term McGill
0: at a Cuddy movie before. I really like that. <laughs> it's been in my lexicon. I don't know where I got it from, but uh, it's, a, it's an old classic of mine. Uh, I think we cover pretty much everything there is. Yeah. Uh, oh, and just in, in terms of filmmaking, there were some good shots, too. This one felt... Uh, I could see Kaufman getting a little bit more creative with his visuals, especially, like, there's a great shot where it's just... It's like the the car is covered in snow, but there's no snow around it. Yeah, it's just the car itself with snow on it, with it falling directly on it, which was really beautiful shot. And there was some really clever uses of like space. And, and I love
1: and it and when the um, the uh, prettier dancer people come in and replace them for the uh, for the for the dream ballet. They just slowly yeah. come into the frame. It's a great one, too.
0: Yeah, there's some there's some really nice stuff. And I still kind of wish, though, that he would just work with someone like Michelle Gundry again. I, <laughs> I just I kind of just feel like I guess there was this thing with Snitkin, New York, where the problem was I read a leaked script of Snitkin, New York. And I read this and it was the actual script. It was like there was maybe one or two scenes that were not make it. But it was it was a script. It, it, I just read it early. I got it early somehow. And. I was like thinking, man, like all these crazy visuals and all this crazy stuff. And like, I saw the movie and I was like, this doesn't feel as ambitious as it should be. <laughs> like, something about it just doesn't feel like as wild and gonzo as the script itself hmm. kind of showed. And so it's I interesting because I wouldn't have thought personal.
1: that the problem ever with him would be not playing fast and loose enough. Like, this seems like, I guess not more ambitious than the book it was based on from what I know of it, but like a lot more willing to push the boundaries maybe. And of what like audiences are willing to, how how far down the rabbit hole people are willing to go. Maybe that's, that's odd. Well, I, I, I wouldn't that's have thought that
0: for sure. I mean, I think he's, especially with this Netflix movie, it's like, I don't think he cares at all about making <laughs> a big mm-hmm. hit, it, which is funny. Cause he, he, he has worked on this movie that like, it's funny because he's, done his like first work for hire where he's had his name on it like you know like he'll do like punch-up for movies a lot like you'll see him show up in like kung fu panda 2 or something like you'd be like what but it's like you know he threw uh <laughs> you're like give us an idea for a script and he just throws it out in like 10 seconds and they give him a hundred thousand dollars you know yeah. um and but he worked on this movie called chaos walking which is directed by doug lyman who did uh, the bourne movies and uh Live, Die, Repeat or Edge of Tomorrow right. or All You Need is Kill or whatever it's called now. Um, and it was shot like four years ago with Tom Holland and it still hasn't come out. So who knows if that will ever be seen. Oh, wow. But it's sort of funny. It's in a very char. it's almost a very Charlie Kaufman move that he has a, a hundred million dollar movie with his name on it that doesn't exist. That's like kind of perfect for him. It just <laughs> makes me laugh. Um, but I'm glad he's kind of. He wrote a book and he uh, made this film and it feels like he's kind of getting a, a a home at Netflix, I hope. I mean, it certainly wasn't super expensive a film, I imagine. This was probably shot for like 10, 20 million.
1: Yeah, yeah. I just got to go and
0: buy all those uh, Frosties, put them in the, in the garbage bin. That's true. You know, you got a lot of Frosties, you got a lot of uh, fake snow you got to put out there. But I, I think with him... I th- I think my favorite of his three directorial films is Anomalisa. Hmm. Um, I really need to see I, that I one because it's s- animated too, right? Or some stop motion? Yeah, it's this very, CG
1: hybrid. I think right
0: or uh, It's no, it's it's all stop motion, and, and notably, like interestingly, they they purposely don't do the thing that um like it does, where they remove all the seams CGI. They yeah. they kept the seams in, so you can actually kind of tell that they're they're puppets. Um, and they kind of play with like the mechanics of the puppets at some points. Um, but it's uh, also he does like hyper puppets. realistic, which is very funny because it's like, you could see how this movie could have been filmed. It, it's very confident. Like, you're like, this could have been made for $5 million with a real movie, but also it wouldn't quite work. If it was <laughs> a normal movie either, but it's one of his more like intimate and quiet. But I also think if you're exhausted by his depressed straight man <laughs> like <laughs> attitude towards things it might be as most infuriating like i i find people's like it just kind of depends on your view but that one i think is it's more intimate it's based on two characters really it's it really it originally started as a radio play which is sort of interesting um <laughs> I, I think that's the one that for me is like special and this one like teeters on the edge of like maybe i need just a little more Normalcy with you, just mm. a, just a light, <laughs> just a pinch, not a lot. Don't go too far. It's kind of how I felt with Twin Peaks: The to Return too. I was like, this might be too David Lynch. This oh, might wow. have gone just a little too far. But I don't know. <laughs> what do I know? Maybe I'm a Luddite. Maybe i Maybe becoming a Luddite my whole age. Who knows? All right, you ready to rate this thing? Yeah, let's do it. Shall All I right, go first, uh, or do you want to? I've talked a lot, so go go for it. Um, yeah, I don't know how much more
1: I have to justify it, but I feel like I'm coming at a 6.5, um, I, I'll be straight with you. I was maybe higher on it before I talked to you, but this is definitely going to be me like two weeks later and like, yeah, I'm really, I'm really glad we both agree that like the second car scene is just like a, a little too, too long of a road trip digression into literary allusions when really the only thing apparently you need to understand this movie is Oklahoma. Like that's, that is the text that is more Oklahoma suggested reading, <laughs> which I should probably have taken care of by now, but I've avoided musicals all my life until recently. I feel like I've embraced the more. So I should definitely do that. I don't think I'll ever do that. And then watch this movie again, though. Um, Yeah, I just Watch Oklahoma.
0: It's a a good, it's a better play than I I thought when I first, I thought it was going to be real dumb. And it's, it's, it's a good play. No, it's it's it's, like, it has
1: its place in like fucking American like history, I I think. I don't, I don't know. It's it's interesting. I thought it
0: was going to be like really cheesy, but it's, it's an interesting one.
1: I think people, there's like some new woke kind of take on it too, I think, happening too. I can, there
0: is a lot of people do like, um, black leads led versions of oklahoma i know and they're apparently really interesting so i want to see those at some point
1: but yeah i enjoyed a lot in it and the performances i think really really push it over the edge a lot of great imagery i think i think you're right i think maybe the peak of it is in the house and then by the time we get to the gym i'm kind of like i think i lost it somewhere um but there's still a lot of great stuff in the school too so yeah yeah. I, it's I'm I'm going to enjoy like listening to more hot takes about it. And like people breaking down the philosophy of the film and lot. everything. <laughs> and that is part of how I enjoy a movie is how much I like to think about it afterwards. But I am confident with this one. I would never figure it out on my own, no matter how much I thought about it in a <laughs> vacuum.
0: So, yeah, Yeah. You. you might, you might want to read like an explainer to then watch the movie. I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh, I'm going to give it pretty close to you. I'm going to give it a seven. Uh, I, it's funny. Cause like, I think, will probably make fun of me if he hears this but it's fine um <laughs> seven but, uh, is solid seven is good no no when i first saw it i think he thought i would be like more like an eight or a nine or something which is mm-hmm. fair i think it just hit me very emotionally at first but then i i found more issues with it and i think the ending hit the problem for me is if you give me a really good ending i'll forgive a lot but i will remember it later so i might be <laughs> in the theater or the netflix play button uh more high than I will be later, and if that's the case, where like I kind of just like want to make a super cut, and it's like an hour long, like maybe mm-hmm. that's perfect. I don't know. Um, it's interesting. It's different. It's very unique. Uh, definitely something I would like. Kind of flat recommend, even if you hate it. <laughs> it's <laughs> like it's not. It's not boring. Well, it's, it might be boring, but it's not <laughs> going to be a boring discussion afterwards. How about that? I think it's yeah. one of those films that is fascinating kind of like mother where like i'm not a i wasn't a huge fan of mother but like mother's just such a movie <laughs> it's <laughs> like you just kind of want to just talk about it with people uh there's a lot to like about it i like the performances of everyone in it a bunch especially especially jesse buckley and 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 jesse Plemons. but Everyone involved did a really God, good job. They
1: have this the the movies about them confusing their identities and their actors have the same first name. I didn't think about is that, that funny? Time.
0: You know, Charlie Kaufman was like, hey. like <laughs> just give himself a little chuckle on that one. Yeah. Um. It's uh. I I love the ending, and that, then again, that that house sequence is just great. And like, part of me thinks like maybe watch it until the house sequence, and if the the middle bit bores you, just fast forward until they get to the gym. You know, like you'll you'll kind of get it. Uh, it's definitely not one of my favorite Charlie Kaufman films. It's not in his top tier, I don't think, but I'm glad he's found a place where he can keep working. Um, I'm hopeful that Netflix will continue this run of giving a a bunch of money, but also I'm like, this movie probably was watched by like a 10th of the people who watch like the old guard, which is a good film too. <laughs> but you know, like it's, uh, a lot more palatable than this one. Um, it's uh, it's it's a strange film, and I don't really know how to end my thoughts on it. <laughs> so it's probably the best way to end it. Uh, watch it, make up your own dang mind about it, because I don't know. It's it's a weird one, and I'm glad we talked about it because it was nice to kind of like find like, as like you said, I've heard like people who absolutely hated it and people who absolutely loved it, and all of them had good points. <laughs> it's really hard sometimes when like, you're like, wow, I agree with almost everybody on this one. Where do I stand? <laughs> so I uh, appreciate you talking this one through me with me, Trevor. Yeah. I'm really glad we did this.
1: I, I feel a lot better about it now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hopefully you don't feel like you at the very least. Maybe now you'll watch Oklahoma. And if you watch Oklahoma, that's, you know, that's, that's a positive. You know. Yeah. Just, just know that if you see the film, you have to, you have to listen to the in the lonely place song on uh just find out where it is in the sequence and then listen to the song the cast recording and then just imagine it's in the film oh god Or are just throwing the jesse plemons scene in there just throw it in there like it doesn't make any <laughs> sense but just throw it in there um yeah so i think that will do it for our discussion uh hopefully we'll be back to talk more bond soon where are we at octopussy octopussy
1: yeah it's talking um, to jack i think we might go for the the two and one uh, next next week, yeah, we we're, were thinking of doing
0: Octopussy and Never Say Never Again because famously they both came out the same year. Very interestingly, Uh the Bond and then the not canon Bond with the famous, the most famous Bond actor of all time. What a strange, strange thing that actually happened in real life. Very weird. That's why I love Bond. It's like it it appeals to my very nerdy, like I get to talk about production details brain. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I'm. I'm looking forward it.
1: to the Sean Connery camp after after this. It's probably the next movie that I sit down and watch by myself.
0: Uh a Bond is like a great chaser to this movie. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I think I watched this movie and I think I put on something like I couldn't even put on Community because that's a little too meta. Even it's like, it's also just a sitcom a lot of the times too. Like, I think I put mm-hmm. on like a review of a bad video game or something. I think I put on something like just game make grumps. me laugh. <laughs> make fun of something dumb and mm. just like just just no thinky and no thinky now <laughs> and after this the same way I am thinking, I'm just gonna play some Prince of Persia and just just not just not absorb any kind of context or knowledge cause ah, oh, Kaufman you make me exhausted sometimes <laughs> I was saying it's also about Sinetiki New York like I literally read that was the only time I've ever read a script and I went ooh at <laughs> like, the end of it it was just like so much I was just like I need a nap I'm just like I, I love his films, but I I maybe I won't be so excited to watch them the day they come out. <laughs> He'll <laughs> <laughs> take the Trevor approach next time. Alright, guys Thank you all for listening. Um we are the movie gang podcast. You can check us out at Tuskenshed.com for all of our Tuscan Shed media stuff. We have Animania. What are you guys talking about on Animania these days?
1: Uh we haven't done it actually recorded in a while. Um shoot. Uh, Well, Jack's really looking forward to looking at uh, Snafu, which I'm catching up on is like the uh, dramatic uh, high school angst kind of uh, wayward youth and society kind of anime dive into the Japanese school system and society. Mm-hmm. Like, is um, it slice of life? Because Kel will be right on it. If it's I slice of life. I think it's too dramatic, probably to be. I I know Jack would definitely like say it's not slice of life. I've only watched three episodes so far, but I, I I think it's more like the Mean Girls of anime would maybe be. I that's uh, that's, okay. that's, you that's might like little. That too. Uh, too. I don't know. It's a male lead though. It's also very much the rehabilitation of an incel. This is kind of where it's coming from too. So. <laughs>
0: kind of close right. to and this not have, exactly but yeah. yeah and we also have uh, Geek Space Nine we got uh, old episodes of Feast for Bros we got a lot of stuff you can check out oh Pen and Paper Pod is still going strong loving the new episodes so uh, yeah yeah we just did a sure uh, Casino
1: Heist episode which oddly enough was one of our best episodes in a while as we can crib notes for yeah, yeah, most of those heist, heist, yeah. heist.
0: Heist episode always a good time always yeah. a good time Ocean's Eleven, the single most watchable film of all time. So, you know, you're not in a bad camp. All right, guys. Thank you all for listening. We will see you all next week. Adios.